Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia's Fair's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 7th of July, and my name is Helen Freer. So it was a sea of red looking at equity markets yesterday. On today's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with Roman Canciani. Then I'll be talking to Tim Gagey about currency markets. And today we'll also have part two of our deep dive into equities. And Kelly Chia joins me to share his insights on equities in Asia this morning. But let's start with the latest market news. Good morning, Roman. So looking at the markets yesterday wasn't great, actually. Most equity markets drop like a stone, and in some cases, quite dramatically. In Europe, for example, losses were close to 3% as yields across developed markets soared. So what caused markets to turn around like this after weeks of climbing steadily? Yes, good morning, Helen. Well, yesterday's trading action focused on another set of data that just showed how strong the US labor market still is, despite the Federal Reserve raising rates, uh, interest rates 10 times in the last 15 months or so. According to ADP Research, a provider of HR data processing services for US industries, companies added the most jobs in over a year in June. The actual number was 497,000, more than double the median estimate. Although ADP's employment data is typically not very closely correlated with the official payroll numbers, which will be released this afternoon, investors decided to play it safe and sold stocks and bonds en masse. U.S. Treasury yields shot up to levels last seen in 2007, with two-year yields crossing the 5% mark decisively, and 10-year yields crossing the 4% mark. However, yields consolidated later on in the day and trade this morning only slightly up compared with yesterday. So 10-year U.S. Treasury yields are at 4.03 now and two years back below 5% at 4.99. Okay, but it can't be a surprise for markets that rates will go up further, no? Traders in both Europe and the U.S. have been trading on more rate hikes to come anyway. So maybe yesterday's trading action is a sign of a sentiment change then? Well, see, this is an interesting part. The uh, swaps market, which usually gets it right when it comes to forecasting the likelihood and magnitude of rate hikes, is still not fully pressing in two more rate hikes in the US, even after the ADP report yesterday. So there's no major shift in terms of expectations. But still, markets tanked massively yesterday, actually more in Europe than in the US. And as you mentioned, sentiment, the major sentiment index, the VIX, often referred to as the fear gauge on equity markets, has spiked from very low levels yesterday, closed up 8.9%, but is still much lower than at the beginning of the year. Now, of course, the latest data can be looked at from two angles. On the one hand, the obvious economic resilience in the US may indeed allow the Federal Reserve to combat stick inflation with more rate hikes. Yes, but on the other hand, a strong labor market like the one we have pushes further away any notion of a possible recession. So it's a glass half empty versus glass half full debate, as, as is often the case in finance. Well, then markets really traded the glass half empty version yesterday, I guess, especially in Europe. Can you fill us in with a few numbers then, please? Uh, yes, true. Stocks had a terrible day with a broader Eurostox 50 index down 2.93% on the day. In the US, trading action was a bit better. The S&P 500 closed down 0.8% on the day with about 80% of stocks closing in the red and no sector in positive territory. 
tech and consumer staples outperformed down between 0.2 and 0.3% on the day. Energy was by far the biggest detractor, down 2.4%. The broader and uh, more domestically geared market, as measured by the Russell 2K, was down a bit steeper than the S&P, down 1.6%. The US dollar, meanwhile, is up again on the week so far, although only slightly. But I leave the currencies part to Tim, who is on the show in just a minute. Gold uh, was relatively stable, just like Bitcoin, which is still trading a bit over 30,000 US dollars. Okay, so markets did calm a bit later on um, and overnight. And what's the latest from Asia this morning? Uh, Well, yes, but the shares across Asia also fell, led by Hong Kong tech firms and stocks in Australia. In South Korea, Samsung Electronics dropped after reporting its biggest decline in quarterly revenue since 2009. In terms of data, Japanese workers' wages surprised to the upside, jumping by more than twice the pace expected by economists. Uh, So it seems that the upward momentum there seems strengthening. All in all, stocks this morning don't look that bad after yesterday's route in Europe. Australia's ASX uh, leads the losses down 1.68% and the Nikkei just closed down shy of 1%. And when it comes to the day ahead, there's plenty of data coming in. Uh, In Europe, we already had Swiss unemployment figures coming in a tad higher than expected at 1.9% and German industrial production at minus 2%, minus 1%. 0.2%, of course, month on month, lower than the expected no change. And then we have Italy retail sales later on in the morning. And in the afternoon, of course, uh, the US non-farm payrolls for June expected to come in at 230,000. After the bad surprise with yesterday's ADP report, the key data point to focus on there is whether the second prediction of yesterday's ADP report holds true, namely a slowing wage growth in the services sector. And if there's no major surprise there, traders will soon start concentrating on the US June inflation data due Wednesday next week. Thanks to favorable base effects, the headline rate is set to slow materially towards 3% or slightly above. That will probably take some wind out of the sails of the rate debate, a research, uh, research wrote in a note yesterday evening. And uh, finally, maybe looking at the future sport, uh, it looks like the US is going to open slightly lower at the very moment. So that's it from me. Great. Thank you very much, Roman, for the comprehensive roundup. Um, Now, Tim, thanks for joining us today as well. Good morning, firstly. Yeah, good morning, Helen, and apologies for the dodgy voice. I saw Iggy Pop last night at Montreux Jazz and there was a lot of shouting. (laughs) Okay. Um, So we've seen quite volatile markets this week. has there been much activity or is it more that everyone's been a passenger, would you say? That's very good, Helen. Um, I'm hoping now you try to get I want to be your dog into your next question. Uh, it's been quiet, really. We have seen some sudden flurries of excitement. US data, as we hear, just continues to come in above expectations. And as a result, interest rate expectations in the US are moving quite quickly. It's been such a big turnaround from what we saw before, and it has really called into question the dollar weakness conviction that a lot of investors have. I think we can definitely see a dollar rebound, but the dollar bull story is not yet one I buy. I think that what the Fed may do from here is still going to be on the smaller side of things, relatively speaking. So I would continue to rather to sell the dollar on rallies, although you need to be a bit careful there. Eurodollar first good support looks to be already at 108.25. So actually, it would actually be fairly shallow uh, dip in Eurodollar from here to there. 
for the first buy level potentially the technical picture has actually held up pretty decently of late but i think on any move to 110 i would rather be taking profits although i wouldn't be short euro dollar because with such good us data i think a trend extension uh you know another leg higher in euro dollar or any cross ready is also rather challenging and there's been a decent drop in metals as well do you think this is the start of something bigger well so far the supports have just about held but it looks so shaky Gold really looked like it was going to test 1900 yesterday. I was absolutely convinced it was going to break, although it somehow managed to hold on and we're back to about 1915. Um, any more good US news? And I think that support just has to go. I can't see how it can hold. If we get to one full hike priced in for the Fed, I'm having a quick look this morning on Bloomberg. Looks like we're about 85% chance of a hike, according to uh, according to that. So, you know, we've got some pretty important data today. And I think if we break the support 1900, it would be 1860 next stop. And then we have to see if and when there is any real demand for a zero yielding metal such as gold. Platinum also yesterday broke 900 again, uh, recovered back above it for now. I'm still clinging on to the hope that here it really should find something of a base. I think platinum is cheap, but the metals complex really does not look very encouraging at all. And I would tread very carefully, which feels like something I've said for about a month now. And I seem to uh, be uh, unable to quite uh, commit in one direction or the other with metals. But I do think there's certainly some real vulnerability there. Okay. And I have to ask you about the pound. That seems to be very strong at the moment. Yeah, it's all about rates at the moment. The market is now pricing in basically another 50 basis point hike from the Bank of England. And, and as we know, you know, the terminal rate the market expects just keeps rising. Yesterday, we took another look at 128 in cable. We did not break it. I think it's probably a matter of time. Um, and I also suspect that euro sterling will go below 0 0.85 uh, sooner rather than later. At some stage below there might be an interesting first level to buy some euro against the pound. The ECB is after all hiking too, albeit more slowly. And cable for me, I think you should go to at least 130 really. Uh, and even beyond that, so it seems quite reasonable. Um, one pair I quite like to watch is sterling against Swiss franc. There, we have a really interesting carry, especially with the recent shift in rate expectations. The forward is very much in your favor. And this range, 110, 115, has been so solid for so long. So if we see a pullback there, I'd be quite happy to take some exposure forwards, really cash in the carry. And the other thing that works really well and has done for a while is uh, an accumulator or a bullish TARF. Uh, as long as you get a strike below 110, because you really capture a lot of that carry in such a in such a structure, and I think that the uh, you know the chance of being hugely wrong buying pounds below 110 against Swiss franc is is pretty minimal as far as I can see. Okay, and what's on the cards for today then? Well, as we heard, today is non-farm payrolls data, of course. Uh, traditionally, has been one of the most important data points for FX markets. After the solid ADP numbers, you might expect a decent um, print. And actually, the forecast is only 230,000, um, which looks to me like it could be a pretty decent chance of a positive surprise uh, for once today. And well, not for once, really. I mean, we've had quite a few positive surprises, but rather that it's forecasting looks to me quite low relative to what's going on. So I guess anything well above that would trigger some more dollar demand. And in that event, I think the yen and probably gold would be the biggest losers. It's been an awful time, as we know, for yen holders. And while it has come back a little bit yesterday and today, um, until the Bank of Japan actually do something different uh, and acknowledge the reality of how far behind they are, it's really hard to see the yen weakness fading out. It is overall still a summer market, so activity is thin and liquidity is not brilliant. 
Option volatility is a bit on the low side. It's not maybe as bad as some people think, and it can come surging back. So I wouldn't uh, throw in the towel completely on trying to do some more exciting things. But for today, I'd uh, definitely keep an eye out on non-farm payrolls, keep playing the ranges, and try to hold on to a lost for life. With that, I thank you for having me on the show, and thank you everyone for listening, and I wish you a wonderful weekend in the sunshine. Great. Thank you very much, Tim, for sharing your thoughts. Kelly, uh, good to have you on the show this morning as well. So on Wednesday, we heard from our head of equity strategy, Mathieu Rashte, about his thoughts on equity markets for the second half of the year. And you're going to share a few insights specifically on markets in Asia this morning. So overall in Asia, we see opportunities in Southeast Asia, India and Japan. Let's start with Southeast Asia. Where should investors focus here? Are these markets not too small? Ellen, thanks for having me today. I'm really happy to be here. Um, yep, Southeast Asia, I mean, our stance on ASEAN has been that, yes, indeed, it's been a relatively smallish market, um, but still relatively defensive market, um, but still subject, obviously, to global sentiments. Domestic-oriented markets like Indonesia, obviously, should hold up a little bit better. Where we can find opportunities are companies that are consistently growing their payouts to shareholders. An example, of course, is Singapore REITs, especially if we think we are closer to the end of the interest rate cycle than we are somewhere in the middle. And what about India? Why do we think Indian equities should perform well? Well, India, let's, let's take a wrap on how, how India has done in the second quarter first. 11% rally and marked a new all-time high. Um, unfortunately, it was almost entirely driven by valuation expansion and um, about $10 billion of foreign inflows. So obviously, technical and risk appetite metrics are at very elevated levels. And history does suggest sort of a modest forward returns, um, judging from where we are today. However, however, for India, we have to say that among Asian markets, only India has matched the S&P 500 index. Hardest index in the world to beat compounded returns. It has returned 8.8% per year over the last 30 years, three decades. So in the longer term, you know, while I highlighted some near-term jiggles that could happen, we're positive on the market basically for one key reason. Right? And that key reason is this. The financialization of savings and a growing middle class are really the foundations of the Indian equity market. Let me give you an example why. Upper, mid, and high-income people make up now about a quarter of the population, but will double by the time we hit 2030, which is just about seven years' time. What this means is that India has a systematic investment program that basically allows citizens to allocate a small portion of their income to buy local stocks through funds, and that amount of um, money in the program is going to rise really significantly from today. Okay, really interesting. Um, let's move on to Japan. The rally in Japanese equities has been phenomenal. Where do you think Japanese equities will go from here? Indeed, very phenomenal. Um, at 33-year highs, uh, this year itself, it has a, at least a local currency rally of about 20-odd percent. Japan really is at an inflection point now. But let's take a look at why it came to this place, right? The three key reasons. Number one, uh, the Oracle of Omaha, which is Warren Buffett, he invested, right, additionally invested uh, more into Japanese trading companies 
Secondly, there was a call by the stock exchange to boost long-term shareholder returns for all companies, right? And finally, a really sector-specific kind of boost from semiconductors, artificial intelligence, and the reopening of Japan, which is tourism. So to see where we're going to go from here, we really need the second reason we gave just now on boosting long-term shareholder returns to really take root rather than just have a one-off share buyback, which is happening right now. Things need to change in a corporate uh, boardroom. And, you know, until that happens, uh, in the meantime, we always have preferred a bunch of quality stocks and they have vastly, vastly outperformed even the local index. And this is on a US dollar term. And I think we can't talk about Asia without mentioning China. What are your latest thoughts there? And how do you think investors should position themselves today? Yeah, China's in a bit of a pickle. Um, it's got a combination of troubles right now. Growth is obviously slowing. Uh, unemployment among the youth, which is the volatile population, is quite high. Uh, property also isn't recovering as quickly or stabilizing as what everybody's expecting. And so all of that sort of like points to confidence in the future among the people basically being quite low. So what this translates to, I think, is really a sideways trading stock market at best. This means that there will be still capital moving around, but they're going to move in and out really quickly of pretty narrowly focused themes. So obviously, the most recent theme that took uh, quite a lot of capital was the SOE team or the state-owned enterprise team. But I have to say one thing about China, right? Uh, China is such a big part of Asia. Investors are really running out of places in Asia to invest outside of China. So, you know, if China really does announce something, there's some events, it could spark a really, really powerful rally. But that's all in the hands of the policymakers. Excellent. Thank you very much, Kelly. Really interesting to talk to you this morning. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guest this morning. And thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We'd love to hear your feedback. And do join us again next week. I'll be back on Monday with more of my colleagues, including Menzo Pachinci, who will have a technical update for us. Until then, have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.